Hello and welcome back to our podcast, Box Set Binge the Bible from Seven Vineyard. My name is Bern Leckie. I'm joined today by Owen Lynch. Hi, Owen. Hi, Bern. And we are on this journey of listening through the entire Bible in a year at this kind of pace where we just have to sort of let it flow over us, let it go into our ears and hopefully not straight out the other ear. But we use our brains in the middle as little indicators of going, oh, what grabbed our attention? Owen, have you been enjoying doing this? Yeah, absolutely. I've really enjoyed just being able to listen to uh, the Bible. I'm actually listening to it at 1.75 times speed. And and that fits into my lifestyle a bit better. But also importantly, I'm kind of just finding stuff hitting me fresh because of the speed with which I'm listening to it, rather than getting bogged down in the detail in my mind, missing stuff. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And what I love is that it's that freshness which helps me to kind of think about it a bit differently from from trying to just analyse everything from the beginning. But I also love the fact that it gives me time as well to go off and explore down a rabbit hole that might open up and go, oh, I'd never thought of it like that. I wonder what other people think about that. Mm. And, uh, and, and so I've done a bit of that as well this week as we've been looking at the beginning of the Bible, yeah. Genesis, in the very beginning. Uh, it's epic stuff, isn't it? Uh, what have you been thinking, Owen? Well, you know, I've been uh, just finding the context of this really interesting because one of the things that's blown me away around the whole narrative around Genesis is that I perhaps at some point was taught, and it still sits with me quite deeply, that um, Genesis, you know, was written around about the time that Moses was alive. It may well be that Moses was uh, the originator of some of this, but what we do think, and I think most scholars would agree with this, and I think this is what blew my mind, was that actually this was kind of written down in the form that we have it in the Hebrew Bible, are around about the time of the exile, which was the exile was around about five to 600 years before Jesus. Now that really blows my mind because I'm like, whoa, what was going on there then? That was a people who were trying to remember who they were. And so mm. for me, Genesis becomes like the ultimate origin story, which of course is where, you know, we use the word Genesis as a synonym, don't we, for origin. Mm. And mm. so there's this idea that actually this is this is our origin story. Now that gets me really thinking because that, there's some fundamental things in here, which actually I think really are fundamental to our human existence. Very much. Yes. Now, I think that leap from expecting it just to be like a video recording, you know, film that we can watch back. And this is just describing that film of exactly what happened. No one in the ancient world expected to ever access anything like that. They were more interested in themselves. They were interested in their place in the world, their place in the universe, their purpose. And Genesis, I think, brilliantly covers that sort of question, that sort of massive cosmic question of who are we? And we don't need a lot of our God-given brains to interpret the evidence around us to say, well, no, we think the earth is probably more than 6,000 years old now. It's okay. We don't need to read it all literally. But the purpose is still the live question. What's the, you know, who are we and what are we for and what's going on? I love that Genesis wraps us up in that. And as you say, I think it's probably gone around for a long time and then got crystallized into this particular form around the time of the exile. That seems to be what scholars think now. I was looking into the work of another scholar, uh, Professor John Walton, who wrote a book called The Lost World of Genesis 1. And his view is 
fascinating about this because it's something I didn't realize that the way everything is described, the order uh, that is described would have made people in ancient cultures, all sorts of ancient cultures actually, think of something quite specific that just doesn't come to mind for you and me. They would just have noticed that heaven is meeting earth in the beginning of this big story. And they knew the kind of places where they expected heaven to meet earth. We know about them too. We call them temples. And Genesis 1, John Walters says, it's describing a temple that's being built, like a cosmic temple. You can think of the whole planet that's, that's being described as something that God is ordering, making a temple himself, as a meeting between heaven and earth between what he's doing and what we're doing and that's a nice description but there's a twist in it because what do you find in the middle of a temple in any temple you find a sort of holy place and a, and a revered sort of you know it's hard to get into this bit because this bit's really holy but now you've made it and now you find this image that's been constructed this uh, probably a statue of a god and the image that's described in this, yes, there's, there's an image that's described in this, the image of God, but where is it? Shock and surprise, it's us. It's in us. God's put his image in us. That is not an ordinary kind of temple. John Bolton isn't saying that makes us God. He's saying we are reflections of God's glory we're reflections of God's character you should be able to look at ourselves and each other and see something of God in us not just holy people not just the most religious people and certainly not just the people of one particular belief but everybody everybody it's 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 carrying on this this lovely all-inclusive theme that's really stood out to me in Luke and Acts that we were just looking at Genesis is really I think maybe the ultimate expression of that it's not just a religion for some people it's saying that what God has done he has done amazingly and in everybody and and we can find things that look a lot like temples a lot like this heaven meeting earth experience not just in buildings but in other kinds of ordered structures including communities and even just in ourselves it's amazing it really is and when you start to understand some of the context and the way in which these stories would have been understood to their original listeners or hearers or or readers you start to really appreciate that they actually mean something a bit different perhaps to what we've been told now, it's interesting you know listening to uh, you talk um i was um thinking about these origin stories as the sort of questions that my kids used to ask me like dad who made the world or how was the world made or where are we from you know those sorts of impossible questions that you know you kind of like i have some thoughts on that but they're too complicated to explain to a five-year-old sort of thing you know but actually they are the deepest questions that we all ask ourselves, particularly as children. And I find that um, these are the sorts of stories that perhaps, perhaps the children of the exiles were being told by their parents. So daddy, where mm. am I from? 
Well, mm. God created the heavens and the earth. God created all the good things in it. And, you know, they learned stuff about themselves, which was really important for the foundation of their uh, sense of self. But also... Yeah. The, the psychological sense of collective self that they experienced whilst they were in exile. Because one of the one of the difficulties that the Judeans experienced when they were exiled to Babylon was they lost some of the markers that identify them as people. So they lost the temple, they lost Jerusalem, they were even forced to change their language and eat different food and have different rituals, you know, of the Babylonian peoples. And they would have been struggling to remember who they were and the, the parents would have wanted and the grandparents would have wanted their children and grandchildren to remember that, no, no, that they were Jews. Uh, they were Judeans who had a story and they had an origin story and they had an identity. And so this was, you know, this writing down of, of these accounts that would have been passed from generation to generation was an important part of preserving this story and this identity, not just on an individual level, but on a collective level as a people as well. Mm. I think it's really important to recognise that in every context where these stories would have been shared, getting the foundation and the foundation of good. By the way, the word that we translate as good, there's another perhaps even better translation for it, which is ordered. Are you referring there to where it says in Genesis 1 and 2 that God saw that what he'd created was good? Was good. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's um, you, in, Instead of good, you could say it was ordered. This yeah. was ordered. This was or Now we think of it, or, and again, this is a word that we would hear now and think, what do you mean? So the idea is like some sort of dictatorship. Like, <laughs> no, no. This is just their basic understanding of physics, if you like. Right. That, that they could see life coming into the world as a wondrous thing. So somehow this order has been brought into the world. Wow, there wasn't anything and now there's life. And uh, and they could see death as as a disordering, right? So they knew that order, good, disorder, awful, and and yet in the middle during life, they had this this disorder, this lack of lack of things being perfect to try and make sense of the problem of pain, the classic philosophical problem, and you know every time we've ever done something like an alpha course or or tried to introduce people to faith in any kind of kind of organized way there's always someone quite rightly brings a question of but what about suffering what about pain you're saying that god's brilliant and he's and he's very powerful how do we make sense of the fact that there's suffering in the world then and that's an amazingly good question Okay, brilliant. This is exactly the kind of question that the people who were passing on the stories of Genesis were dealing with. And so they had to tell the story and include, you know, how pain comes into the world and how we deal with pain and how we deal with disorder and suffering. But as you say, it's the foundation to say, actually, we're not fundamentally rotten. We're fundamentally good we're fundamentally ordered we're fundamentally just just look at like the structure of your own body and think about how amazing it is that all this stuff comes together you know you and i have got a a value as raw chemicals on the on the market of probably about 30 quid but but because order because <laughs> value has been added that's a terrible thought man <laughs> i know but but that's that's so that's what you and i are worth if we if we were completely sure. melted down yeah lovely but order Thanks for that thought. has been brought in and value <laughs> has been added this is what we do in business right we, we we make things we order things we add value to them we pass them on this is the 
ultimate expression of that hmm. and and we're crediting god for that yeah and you know i think it's really interesting again bring it back to that context of where these stories were being written down that comment you just made there um about the intrinsic value of human beings and that human be- beings are essentially good in and of themselves hmm. i think that's really interesting for people who would believe that that human beings are innately bad yeah. and, I, and i think that has consequences for our christian theology as well um so yeah i i like i like us dwelling on this point here burn because i think you i think you make really well you make that point really well sure i mean i think when we look at it in cosmic terms and trying not not starting with a religious law and how good are we at obeying what we think the laws ought to be but just in terms of physics like it, it, do you have a heart that's beating that's amazing do you have a brain do you even know one percent of how amazing your brain is of course we, we're still finding out every single person brings so much um potential in into the world um that of course there is goodness in in everybody now of course you also have to look then and say well so how can people do stupid things and how come the instincts of people this is this is then the 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 way genesis you know the rubber sort of hits the road and and looks into well how come we've got these instincts which are really destructive and rotten and and when there's the smallest threat to us we blow it up into violence and that blows up into mass destruction that's noted okay that's that's given we, we, it's not saying oh, just oh human beings are all brilliant and, and we all ought to get along it's that it's also making the point that without some other kind of ordering between ourselves without, within ourselves as well and and between ourselves we have these tendencies to um to self-destruct and to destroy others that's just something we have to deal with so how do we deal with that well that story is going to unfold and and it's clear i think from the account about abraham that what i get from that is that god's choice to do this was first of all to to pick a people that he could demonstrate something with so like, I'm, I'm going to show you a bit about what order can be like i'm going to show you an order that works yeah i'm going to show you an order that's meaningful and purposeful and we know from later in the story that it doesn't just work in itself it points us towards the greatest source of of order and and wonder that we could ever encounter in jesus but just for the having some rules just having some order that makes a difference um but we'll get to that when we get to what the rules are later but how did this move you this week well how did you feel moved i think i was moved by the sheer scale of the story and the epicness of the story um and just that sense of profound reassurance that you're part of something bigger Mm. there's a sense of us all participating in this thing it's it's more than a religion it's it's a it's a sense of we're all made in the image of god that we are all created to be good and we are all loved by god and love is at the heart of who we are all of those massive epic themes that apply to all people yeah just just deeply reassuring and and deeply profoundly comforting really what about you mm, amazing yeah it's good to be reminded i think that there was a lot of pre-religion in this right like 
yeah there like is a lot of a lot of what's happening here isn't to do with religious laws at all it's no. to do with relationships that people could have with god and in some cases did have with god and in some cases it looks like they didn't want to have with god yeah um but how do you know and what does a relationship with god look like and one detail that just stood out to me like an odd detail was this conversation that abraham and god was having before god was about to rain judgment down on a on a town that had been absolutely awful to people in in lots of ways and abraham has this conversation and you have to wonder like why was this all written down like this what was the purpose of of writing down that as abraham says but if you find 50 righteous people okay then what if you find a bit less okay what if you find can i ask one more time can i just lower it a bit more and they have this sort of exchange and you think well hold on the purpose of that it was not to let us know the final number <laughs> that was decided uh it was it was to show us, I think, something must have been to show us something of the relationship that we should expect to have with God. That it's not just a hold on, tell us, yeah, let's look at what the rule is and tell and, and let God tell us like his thing that he wanted to do that we should just know because it's written down. But we have conversations with God, and we need to be open to doing that and we need to be open to listening as well as talking to god in prayer and that's a possibility that's a real thing um and i love how abraham was shaped through his conversations with god and i want to be shaped by my conversations with god as well i want to know more about what that's like i want my mind my instincts if you like not just to stay as they are but to be ordered more into to reflecting more of god's character i would really like that and that's what i want to be pressing into that's great Ben. that's great and 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 i guess in, in many ways that very much sounds like a lot what a lot of people spend their lives doing which is gently growing more mature as they grow older i mean there's this wonderful phrase that someone once said you know i want to grow up before i grow old and there's this sense of becoming more mature as we get older it doesn't just because we lived longer doesn't mean necessarily more mature in our thinking and our ability to order the world around us and, and perhaps even order our own heart and mind but but most of us are trying to do that aren't we in some way or other i think so i think i think it does make a difference what we idolize Hmm. yeah what you're growing towards yeah yeah we can idolize money we can idolize success we can idolize a person maybe who who embodies everything that we want to be yeah and and maybe we'll try and be like that person and because i believe there's good in everybody then there's some good in all sorts of aspiration and trying Mm. to take inspiration from other people but this business of who do we ultimately make into an idol who do we ultimately want to follow Hmm. Jesus makes the case that it's hard to follow more than one, hmm. that you can't serve God and money. That's a practical issue, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's practical yeah, exactly. reality, yeah. yeah. It just means that if, if, a, if some come into conflict, which way do you go? And, and, and that's why it sounds really harsh, actually, for Jesus to say, it has to be has to be me Hmm. he just says you know that i'm the i'm the way the truth and the life Hmm. and i believe that but it wasn't some sort of religious kind of arrogance though was it it was just a practical reality okay that's the whole point is that he's not talking about the physical temples and the the physical rules that we're going to make uh to try and be religious he's talking about how our hearts and minds work Hmm. like who we really put at the center of of 
uh, these temples that God has built that that, we're, that are there to reflect His glory and and the amazingness of of human life and other life coming out of chaos and coming out of non-order and disorder. And then I think the promise is from Jesus that if we can put him at the center, a recognizable form of divinity in humanity, then we can have all life. Mm. There's just no limit to our potential. Yeah. And and the things that we'll find God loves doing with us. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. Well, I, I'm sure like there's there's going to be so much that folks are going to get out of this as they listen to chapters 1 to 24. And indeed, we're moving forwards from chapter 25 to 44, which is full of loads of juicy stuff. So I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to listening to that in the next uh, podcast. Yes, we're going to see how this family story starts evolving and looking like I guess a real family, a family with issues, uh, a family that we could relate to. And yet it's God's family, it's God's chosen people. So it's 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 kind of like cosmic EastEnders. Uh, <laughs> what are we going to find? You, you, you can fill in the rest. <laughs> yeah, you fill in the gap. <laughs> yeah, we'll see looking, you next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.